It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Stephen Rosen, author, speaker, sales management trainer, and I said an expert on actually on training sales managers. And you can find Stephen online at starresults.com. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Morning, Andy. Great to be here. And uh, thank you for the invitation to be on your show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So rather than have me sort of recite standard biographical information you might have supplied to me, take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience. What do you do? Who do you do it for? Okay, well, I'm Stephen Rosen. I'm based in uh, Toronto, Canada, and um, what I do is I work with uh, sales leaders as an executive coach. I also help transform sales organizations through their management teams to become much more focused on coaching and people development, which is the key to driving sales performance. And what type of companies do you work with? Uh, I do a lot of work in the pharmaceutical area, but uh, business to business, uh, uh, high tech. Um, and I work across, uh, obviously Canada, but U.S. and uh, and Europe. So um, we do let you south of the border. Yes. Well, you know, some most of my work I do by phone, but definitely, and uh, I always like uh, working in the U.S., especially with the exchange rates. <laughs> so how, let's talk a little bit about you in terms of how you got your start in sales. Well, that's an interesting question because, uh, as you know, most of us don't say we want a, a career in sales. Right. But uh, I had uh, I had worked at a pharmacy chain while I was going through school, and um, when I graduated with my MBA, I thought I'd go and be a financial guru. And in 1990, jobs were hard to come by. We were in bits of a recession, and uh, I had a background from working in a pharmacy uh, to work for a pharmaceutical company. And, uh, and took a job as a, um, what we call in the industry, uh, probably the lowest of low in sales, which was a retail sales rep. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had a retail background. And the company I worked for, uh, Alcon, did not have very much experience at the retail level, but did have a whole bunch of over-the-counter products and uh, helped bring them to, to a new level. Um, so what was your day like as a retail sales rep for Alcon? Retail sales rep. Well, back in the day, as we, we, we talk about, uh, I used to visit pharmacies, do inventory counts, uh, come up with suggested orders for uh, for replenishing stock, for uh, making sure there was sufficient stock for ads. Uh, speaking to pharmacists about some of our products, which were behind the counter, and uh, printing so, up an order at the end of the day. So you sold both over the counter as well as prescription pharmaceuticals. Correct. And Correct. so you were. I guess they used to call them like detail men or something, didn't they? They used yeah. to go through and, and yeah, you're checking each store to see what was on the shelf for the over-the-counter things. And I mean, were you driving a truck? <laughs> I didn't ship the orders, but uh, <laughs> as I joke, because now everyone's on on scanners and uh, POS. And right. in the old days, we'd count inventory on, use an inventory card, you know, visit the clients every four to six weeks and, uh, you know, write up an order, have the order shipped. Uh, you know, maybe create some in-store specials, some Mandial displays, uh, and um, you know. So there was a portion of detailing, which is in pharmaceutical is is the, their term for selling. But there was also some uh, a good portion was transactional sales, where uh, you know we were selling product in and trying to move it out. 
Yeah. And how many calls a day were you making? I mean, you're, I imagine you're in your car constantly. Yeah, yeah. It was probably uh, six to seven calls a day uh, and uh, six to seven orders a day, which in, in many cases, uh, you know, it wasn't high-level sales, but uh, there certainly was a, uh, a fun transactional component to it, which no longer exists in the industry. Hmm. So in working in that environment, was there a, or maybe it was later, this occurred to you. I mean, did you have this aha moment where suddenly sales started making sense? Well, I, I mean, the beauty in, in that area, and again, that was a job that uh, helped pay the rent and that turned out to be a, a great job. But, uh, you know, I used to work on the opposite side when I was in the uh, retail pharmacy area where I was a buyer. So uh, I, I had the beauty of not only uh, understanding sales, but understanding where the buyer came from and uh, doing their role, uh, it made it very easy. And so what happened to your career path then? Well, interestingly enough, um, you know, like yourself, Andy, um, you know, it's certainly uh, that, that was a entry level job and it was a great job, actually, probably uh, tons of freedom. Uh, but within seven years with the company, I had seven different positions, uh, you know, doing uh, specialty pharmaceutical selling. And then I went into management as a regional sales manager and then uh, got promoted to be national sales manager and then took over marketing and became a business unit manager. And then uh, vice president of sales of our vice president of sales and marketing, I guess, of our OTC division. And then um, not to not, not not that it's a long lengthy list, but uh, every area that uh, wasn't performing well sort of came over to me. Mm -hmm. I, I then ran the pharmaceutical <laughs> plus the OTC. Started a sales force to go to primary care physicians. So was that a was that a reward or punishment? Well, you know, you know how it is in life that sometimes there's go to people, right? And you keep going to them until uh, they drop the ball, or uh, I think at some point I stopped asking for it because certainly I, I love the opportunities to uh, to take on new challenges. I mean, you know, the the reality was that I wasn't trained for any of these roles. I never actually did a marketing role, but became VP of marketing. Um, but uh, I guess at the end of the day, if uh, if you make things happen, that's one of the learnings that uh, people will, will go to you because in many cases, most people don't make things happen in, in corporations. So I became the go-to guy. And even when I stopped asking, uh, the ball kept coming. So what is it that you did to make things happen? I mean, what, what was it that you were doing that others weren't that you know, was creating success and that was attracting these additional responsibilities? That's a great question. And some of those tips are in my book. Uh, and they're not complicated tips, but, uh, you know, uh, when you're in the midst of things, you don't really think of what you're doing. But when you take a step back several years later, there were, there was a couple of walkaways that uh, I realized that uh, helped where, you know, I wasn't trained. I wasn't really given much guidance. Um, you know, the divisions came over and most cases were a mess. Um, and one of my key factors for success was focus. And, and what I tried to do in, in every role was understand, clearly understand or define the two or three key things that we need to do extremely well to be successful. And uh, some of it was asking, you know, the, uh, the people in the, in the business, the sales managers, the marketers, but be very clear on, on what those key, fa key factors were and really focusing on them. Mm -hmm. And my belief is, you know, business gets very complicated. Uh, the whole key is simplifying and knowing what you got to do really well and, uh, and figuring out how to do it really well. Uh, to me is one of the keys to success. That's how uh, I was able to, uh, you know, to walk in, quickly figure out what needed to be done and, and do it as opposed to doing 200 things, 
It was much more focused on on two or three things, and I coach my clients on that. I really do believe that's a a, a really simple yet succinct way to to be successful. And I think in many cases people just overcomplicate what they do. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. I preface my new book I have a couple chapters on how to simplify your selling along the same lines. I love so, it. So love let's it. let's talk about this in the case of you know you've got a sales manager and let's say a you know, small business owner today, they're, they're stuck, they're down in the weeds, right? Yes. So what are the tips, you know, what do they do to start, you know, elevating themselves to be able to be in a position to have some perspective about what's going on and to find those two or three things they should be focusing on? Well, I I guess it comes over time. Uh, I've been in business for, uh, I think it's 13 or 14 years now. And of course, one of the key things is continually reinventing yourself, uh, which uh, I know you've done. You've added books, you've added training on, uh, you know, as a small business, I am a small business because, uh, you know, I, I'm myself and I've got some internal support as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll use um, outsourcing. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, I guess one of the tips that, that I uh, that I share with clients and I believe helps is taking your focus and, uh, you know, finally two or three key things that I just said, but I've got a big whiteboard up on my, uh, on the wall in our corporate head office. Um, I'm just kidding about that, but yeah, uh, you're speaking from it today, right? Yeah, I am from our, uh, cast of thousands, Toronto headquarters. And, uh, anyways, but, but one of the things is it's nice to stay being focused, but one of the things I do is I've got a whiteboard that's probably, uh, I don't know, four feet by three feet. And I've got my three key areas that I'm focusing on. One of them is personal, which is better health, which mm-hmm. I think any of us need to focus on. Right. Uh, and I've got uh, sort of one of the two or three key points that I'm doing along each area, whether it's building my coaching business, developing products uh, for my customers and for the marketplace. Uh, so I have those listed in front of me. So every day when I'm sitting at my desk, I can at least glance over and say, okay, what am I doing? Uh, I've got a list of initiatives that I'd like to do, and as we realize as entrepreneurs, there's a portion of our time spent on on sales, there's a portion of time spent on marketing, uh, there's a portion of time where we spend actually executing billable hours, mm-hmm. working with clients, so the reality is I can only do so much. And, uh, you know, so I, I have a list of five key initiatives, and probably, you know, the goal is to execute one or two in a year, whether it be writing a book whether it be uh, you know improving one of our programs, whether it be doing webinars, so I really try to stay um, uh, true to the concept of focus because it's very easy to get distracted. There's always, uh, as my coach used to say, there's always shiny fish that you want to sort of chase. Right, the bright shining object, and I do that continually. But I really try to bring myself back to the core. Uh, remember what's going to help my business long term, and as well as short term and um, really stay focused on those areas. So as a small businessman or someone who's looking at coming out of uh, the corporate world and starting their own uh, consulting, coaching, training practice, uh, it it takes a lot of discipline. And I really do believe it takes a lot of focus to be able to effectively do a few things really well. Yeah, I agree. And I I love this idea about the whiteboard because it's such a low-tech tool <laughs> it's you know it's actually very empowering at times but it is very empowering because it's it's sitting there staring at you i think one of the things with uh you know to-do apps on on your computer or phone is that you, know, you turn them off they sort of go away you don't see them unless you call them up but 
a whiteboard. That's just there. You're looking at it every day, and there's nothing wrong with you know resorting to well, again, low tech but extremely effective methods for reminding yourself what you need to be doing. It's true. We should make a whiteboard app, right? That that that, that well, they, uh, they exist. Yeah, displays on your wall. <laughs> well, there's that's true. Uh, but again, even even when you're crossing things off or uh, you know sitting down and there's numerous things to do, I, I think it helps. And again, you know, even when you're in the corporate world, um, the level of things that are coming at you, and I, I coach many executives, and uh, the overwhelm factor uh, really begins to set in, where you've got highly capable people, yet there's just too much minutia coming at them. And, right. Uh, you know, I think we all face that, whether it be you know the folks who get 200 emails a day. And are basically, you know, in, incredibly bright uh, people who can impact the, you know, their business, the world, but are, are tied down to trying to answer those 200 a day, and then of course another 200 come the next day, and uh, we all know why, uh, you know, people in the post office go postal <laughs> because the mail just keeps coming and coming and coming, and, and you know, sometimes you know, some folks who, as I said, are, uh, you know, uh, incredibly bright, uh, great leaders. Uh, equate them their value to how they clear up their e inbox. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Right? And you know, if they're not clearing their inbox, they're not doing a good job. And that's that's sort of my my uh, my negative side to uh, to technology. I mean, you know, without a computer, I'd be dead. Uh, but there are some low tech things that I think work. And I think um, you know, one of the things with the whiteboard is there is a power of putting pen to paper. Yep. So when you actually write, you know, there's lots of things that bounce around in our heads that we want to do, that we're thinking of doing. Uh, but until you put it to paper, it, it's one step closer to making it a reality. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. So question for you is, you know, you had all these management positions working your way up the chain. What was the single biggest sales management mistake you made? <laughs> I don't know. Uh I mean, interestingly enough, one of the biggest mistakes I made early on in my career uh, was I opened my big mouth in front of the president of the company. And, <laughs> uh, you know, early on and, and criticizing a few things that were wrong. You're saying honesty is not always valued. Well, I mean, the interesting thing was, well, yes, yeah, honesty is not always valued. But what I do find is in many cases, our biggest strength is our biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my ability to, to, to verbalize and vocalize things uh, helped me move forward in life. But sometimes you've got to pick and choose your spots, right? <laughs> sometimes you just got to keep your damn mouth closed. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, I still, I still make that mistake. Uh, yeah. Part of what I think I'm paid for is to give people honest feedback in a coaching relationship. And, um, you know, it's how we do it, I guess, which is key. And, and, and there's a relationship of trust. But... Uh, I don't think clients would continue to come back if I wasn't honest with them. Right. Uh, Absolutely. So in some cases, uh, you know, I've got to uh, uh, do a little dancing to get out of situations or, you know, spend a little more time speaking if, if it doesn't come out right. But uh, in many cases, uh, you get a lot of yes people in organizations, and I, I don't think that's good. You get a lot of negative people in organizations. I don't think that's good either. But you know, the, the ability to, uh, you know, to put up logical arguments and, and have good discussion and being honest, uh, I, I look at it as a strength, but sometimes, of course, it's, uh, it's a mistake. Yeah, well, sometimes it's not for everybody, right? Yeah. But well, I mean, in sales, obviously, you're trying to become that, that honest broker, that, a, you know, trusted advisor. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a key lesson for people to, I think, to keep in mind is that 
yeah, you might have perceived it as a mistake at the time, but you know, you were being authentic to yourself. And as a salesperson, you have to find that style that works for you, or as a business owner that works for you with your customers, and that's true to yourself. And and you're not going to please everybody. Nope. Right? That's the reality. But I, I agree with you. And I think at the end of the day, you know, as yourself, uh, you're building a personal brand. And it, it's got to stand for something. And, uh, you know, you want to be consistent in terms of uh, who you are and how you communicate and uh, what you stand for. So, you know, it, it definitely was a mistake at the time. I, it, it hurt me from moving forward even faster. But, uh, you know, when I moved into senior roles, that that skill set or that mistake that I made was not a mistake. It was actually appreciated. Yes, right. It was a virtue at that point, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, it's that's how life is, right? Yep. All right, we're going to take a break in a minute here. So before the break, though, Steve, I want to give, Steve, I want to give you a question to think about. Okay. And actually, you sort of alluded to it earlier. Interesting. It's almost like you knew my questions ahead of time. So here's a hypothetical scenario. You're a new manager coming into a company that you hadn't worked before, and you have one week to make a difference with a new sales team. So what two things would you do that would have the biggest impact? And we'll talk about that after the break. So stay with us after the break as Stephen Rosen He's going to share with us some of his tips for driving improved sales through better sales management. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Stephen Rosen. Catch Stephen online at starresults.com. So before we get to the, the, sort of the big question I asked you before the break, let's talk about your business for a little bit. Um, you wrote a great book, 52 Sales Manager Tips, The Sales Manager's Success Guide. And you clearly wrote it you know, to be absorbed in small bites. Um, so give us one of the best tips you had in there of your 52. Okay. So j just to give you some context, um, uh, you know, my belief is, and I, uh, reflecting on myself, is most uh, sales leaders, sales executives, sales managers suffer from what I call functional ADD. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and that's why they're successful, because their minds work fast. So when I wrote the book, uh, you know, it, it was basically delivering things in short tidbits, uh, which is a different style of writing. Uh, but th these were tips that I, I continually share with my clients. And the funny thing is that every time I share one, there's like the greatest things in sliced bread. <laughs> you just thought of that? <laughs> and I usually have a story behind each one of them right? Uh, in terms of what I did and, you know, because people understand what stories, but, um, so I, I put that into a book, it, you know, it, it's supposed to be fun, uh, quick read. And I think for the target audience, uh, you know, that, that, that I go at, which is sales managers, um, you know, these are tips that are helpful. The book continues to sell well. And, uh, uh although I, I will not claim it, it's, it's a novel. It is not. Uh, but again, short tips. So, so one of them that I share on a frequent basis, uh, and if you'll indulge me, I'll, I'll tell a bit sure, of the story. Sure. Uh, 
But uh, I mean, there's a couple. Uh, one I won't tell you about, but, but I'll, I'll just tell you the thing is I always say where there's smoke, there's an F in Inferno, <laughs> which is one of the tips in my book. So if, if there's problems going on with a rep and you think there's small problems, it's usually actually an Inferno going on. But uh, one of the tips that, that I find that really help people and um, clients and uh, folks I chat with is about being proactive. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote an article recently about, you know, what happens, you know, your June and the June first half of the year is done and your sales are not where they need to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I had that actually uh, my second year with uh, a company I worked for was vice president of sales. It was March. Uh, we were in the pharmaceutical area. SARS was hitting in Canada. If you remember back in oh, yeah. Yeah. 1992, sales were off. So there's not a lot of things you can do as VP of sales to actually, uh, you know, turn sales around. And it was early in the year. But uh, what I used to have is the person, we had sales come in from a third party. There's different measurements of sales. Uh, so I always see sales before anyone else in the organization, before the CFO, before the general manager. So when I looked, you know, March sales were in and we were off. And I thought, shit, what can I do? So in most cases, people kind of hide under their covers and think, oh, my God, let's hope nobody finds it. So I sat back and thought, okay, what can I really do? What levers can I pull? And I thought, okay, I'm going to simply do three things. Number one, I'm going to cancel all training. Number two, I'm going to add several trainers. I'm going to have them out in the field working with the salespeople, helping coach them, helping improve them. And three, we're having challenges access. Uh, accessing clients. So I was going to create a, a program to reward reps for finding creative ways to see their doctors to get into hospitals. So what I did is I marched down, they put me in the far corner of the office, uh, you know, at a corner office, and I marched down to the general manager's uh, office and the, my boss, I guess, at the time. And I said, look, I'm concerned about sales. And I'm going to do three things. Number one, I'm canceling all training. Number two, the trainers are going to be out in the field. Number three, uh, we're going to create a, a contest to, you know, to reward reps for finding access to clients. Mm-hmm. And I left. And I had a, a tough-ass boss who was, uh, you know, a driver, but he also wanted to always know the details. Yes. So you couldn't just get by with your wonderful personality. Uh, you know, in disc profiling, he was a DC, which is uh, one of the toughest profiles to manage. But in essence, what, I, what would have happened if I didn't do anything, I'd get a call the next day saying, what's going on with sales, or he'd come down to my office, what's going on with sales? And, and in most cases, you don't really know the answer, right? you got to mm-hmm. dig deep to find the answer. So for me, what I call that is the preemptive strike. Right. People want to know two things. Bosses always worry, right? Number one, that they worry, uh, you know, if there's an issue, if they find an issue and you haven't said anything, which then they wonder, are you on top of your business? Exactly. Uh, two, if you identify an issue, but you're not doing anything about it, they wonder what the hell is he doing? So my simple preemptive strike is, Hey, if there's a problem, identify it, come to your boss, with a plan of action, be, you know, emphatic, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that and make it happen. In most cases, then they'll say, then they'll go to marketing as opposed to sales saying, what's going on with marketing? Cause they're always going to worry about something. So if you can proactively manage your boss in times when times are good, when you're off on sales, whether you're a sales rep, sales manager, it's always about having a plan. People want to know that you're doing something about your issues. One, that you know them, and two, that you're doing something about them. So if you notice you're off, you're much better to disclose it and say, this is what I'm going to do about it, as opposed to someone coming to you. Yeah, and I think it's a great 
approach because too often when you hear this term managing upwards managing your boss yeah there's a slight implication in there that you know you're sort of trying to massage things right yeah and it's really the opposite you know you're coming clean and you're being forthright but you're coming with a plan and you're just as you said you're doing it preemptively and, and I think that's the key to success. One of the keys to success in sales. It's not the only key, but the fact is, uh, if you're being proactive, uh, then people, you know, say, "Hey, you know, the impression is you're on top of your business." Well, and I think it's it's a lesson for salespeople as well, not just oh, for sales yeah. managers. I mean, salespeople, if you're behind the the eight ball, so to speak, you know, it's March or it's April, and your prospect list looks slim. What's the plan? You know, don't wait for your boss to come to you. Yeah. And if you come with the plan, the fact is what they're going to do is they're going to go elsewhere. Like they're gonna, if they have concerns, the concern is not with you. It's going to be someone else. Potentially, right. And in your plan that you give them, you're going to give them checkpoints that you want them to come back and check with you. You know, come check with me every Friday. See how I'm doing. Or every Tuesday and Friday, how I'm doing. Because you want to make sure you add that level of accountability back to yourself. Yeah. And in fact, the better thing is to preemptively tell them what's going on, right? Exactly. I said I was going to do this. This is what's going on. So, so you know, as I, as I think in most cases, um, you know, people worry, right? That what's going on here? What's going on there? They're overwhelmed. So, I mean, if you're on top of your business, people don't worry about you. They let you manage your business. Exactly. Exactly. If not, then they're always sticking their nose in and micromanaging you. So the one lesson that, uh, probably even the question, but one of the tips or one of the best lessons that I, I share with folks and uh, it is really about being proactive and being on top of your business. And if you do that, in most cases, you know, there's always going to be issues in business, in sales and yep. management. Uh, but if you're on top of them and you have a plan in place, people will allow you to, they'll empower you to run your business. If you don't, then all of a sudden you're perceived as not being on top of your business, which means you're the problem. Exactly. So good tips from Stephen Rosen's book, 52 Sales Management Tips, The Sales Manager's Success Guide. Check it out on Amazon.com. And so back to the question I asked you before oh, the yes, break. Yes, yes, yes. So you're a new manager to a company. You've been brought in to you know, have an impact. You have one week to make a difference with a new sales team. What two things would you do first that would have the biggest impact. Okay. Well, that's that's an interesting question because it, it's hard to have impact in the first week. But what we have, man, what I have managers do um, in the first week is meet with each of their salespeople. Mm -hmm. Get to know them. Don't talk about business. There's going to be plenty of times to talk about business. My belief is is you want to build a foundation of trust. Okay. And and one of the ways to do that is actually to get to know people. Um, get to know them, get to know their families, get to know their, their hobbies, get to know what turns them on, what motivates them, uh, where are they at in their career. Um, and, and actually one of my good buddies who I, who I worked with uh, once said to me, people don't care what you know until they know you care. Mm -hmm. So for me, the first step uh, for any manager is number one, uh, get out there, meet your people, get to know them as people as a first step. It may not drive sales immediately, but it builds a foundation for trust and going forward. Uh, and I guess number two, I mean, my, is, is the same one. One and two are the same. No, but no. <laughs> uh, you know, thinking on my feet here. Right. Number two is probably to, to get clarity with your boss as in terms of what are expectations. Uh, even better if if you want to uh, spend the time developing a plan. What you're going to do your first, second, 
uh, week, mm-hmm. your first month, your first two months, your first three months, and running that by your boss so you have a 30, 60, 90 day plan of action uh, which manages uh, upwards saying this is what I'm going to do. Again, it's all about a plan and being proactive. Uh, and you know, from a people perspective, I really think it's critical that uh, before you start to manage people, you get to know them from a personal side. Uh, again, forming that uh, or building that solid foundation of trust because you can't coach, you can't manage if there isn't trust in place. All right, perfect. Okay, we're going to get into sort of the last segment here. We've got some rapid-fire questions for you. One-word answers be great, or you can elaborate a little bit if you want to. No problem. <laughs> okay. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Well, uh, LinkedIn. Okay. Name the one sales tool used today for sales management that you can't live without besides your whiteboard. Uh, that's a great question. Um, it, Pass. No, there isn't a lot of great software. I'm looking at a great software piece for management. Uh-huh. I, won't say, I won't say what it is, but uh, you know, from a management perspective, there's a lack of good apps to support coaching and, and managing people. Um, there's one that I'm looking at now, so I won't say it. I mean, from a sales per- perspective, maybe having a CRM like Salesforce is a help. But um, uh, you don't. So for you personally, not one right to the. Oh, for me personally, yeah. Excel. All right. <laughs> with you. I keep things simple. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. who's your sales role model? Uh, well, uh, I love Anthony Robbins, so I'm not sure if he's a sales role model, but uh, certainly an inspirational uh, okay. uh, guy. So, what's the one book that every salesperson should read? Uh, I think it's called Zero Time Selling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not fishing for compliments here. But it's no, a great, it is a great book. I think it's a great book. So, it, you know, there's lots of really good sales books out there. I think uh, you've put together a high-quality book. So uh, I have no issue recommending it. And I know I'm not, I wasn't asked to do this. But, uh, you know, I also like, uh, Jill Conrath has a book that I that I use. Which called, um, um, Snap selling. Snap selling. Yep, great book. Selling to crazy busy executives. Yep. Uh, I think that you know that's my challenge, and uh, um, you know, and so those are those are okay. my Perfect. go-to books. So your favorite mis- music to listen to to psych yourself up for a sales call? Uh, I like you know I'm an old guy from the '70s, so I like listening to Queen. Excellent. First sales activity you do every day? Um. Well, I'm embarrassed to say, but I read my emails every day, but uh, hoping that there's some leads that have come in. But uh, first sales activity is picking up the phone and calling clients, uh, potential clients, doing business development first thing in the morning. Okay. One thing managers can do to accelerate the pace of sales? Uh, Really implementing um, the accountability principle, keeping people accountable to do what they say they're going to do. What do you do to keep fit and healthy? I walk. I walk my dog every day, uh, sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night, but the, uh, the, that's the one thing I do. The one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople. How can I generate more sales? And what's the one thing you do every day? Last question. What's the one thing you do every day, either in work or in life, to get better? Uh, read. Excellent. Love it. What do you read? Uh, you know what? I, I, I get a lot of, uh, I sign up for a lot of newsletters. Mm-hmm. 
folks on, on areas like business development, like lead generation, like how to create better webinars. So anytime I'm interested in a specific area of improving, uh, I'll use Google, see what's out there. And uh, there are many bright people who, uh, you know, I have my area of expertise mm -hmm. who, who I can learn, you know, whether, um, you know, I'm developing online training, uh, how to be better at projecting on videos, uh, content. So whatever sort of the, the area of interest for me at the time is, I'll go on to Google and see what's out there. Uh, obviously, books, I get books to read, but uh, I do like the shorter content on, on articles, on how-tos and how to do it better. Uh, so again, one of the things uh, I think I mentioned early on in your own business, you need to be continually reinventing yourself and building your brand. Exactly. And it takes skills that, you know, that you don't always, you know, as a one-person show and, you know, sometimes there's opportunities to outsource expertise. Sometimes it's expensive to do that. Uh, so in weighing those factors, whether it be, you know, how to build a great website or how to, you know, drive SEO or business development, any of those areas, I'll, I'll certainly use Google as probably my number one tool for anything I do in terms of, uh, locking into experts and seeing what other people are saying or doing successfully. Perfect. So I want to thank today's guest, Stephen Rosen. Stephen, thanks for joining us, sharing your journey and your wisdom with us today. Can you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, if they want to call me, my number is 905-737-4548. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is www.starresults.com. Uh, and I'm across all social media, whether it be uh, Twitter, Stephen A. Rosen. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out, ask questions. I write a blog uh, called the Sales Management Blog and uh, pump out a, a, a monthly newsletter with insights called the Sales Management Newsletter. Uh, so feel free to reach out and chat with me. I, I'm open and, and love when, uh, when people uh, pick up the phone and call and uh, just want to talk. Great. Well, again, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. It's been a great show. Remember, if you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales. And if you're in sales, you're an entrepreneur. So make it a part of your day, every day, as Stephen said, to learn something new to help you amp up your sales. So until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.